Hello and welcome back to the People of Hitachi podcast. In this series, we look to discuss key topics that connect our employees across our business. Topics that bring people together because connecting teams drives collaboration. The more we connect as colleagues, the more efficient our workplace is. My name is Mary Jane Linton and I work for the European Corporate Brand and Communications Office at Tatachi Europe. My role focuses on internal communications and branding. And coming up today, we're delighted to be joined by Ram Ramachanda, CEO of Hitachi Zero Carbon within Hitachi Europe, and Frank Antoni Sami, Chief Growth Officer at Hitachi Digital. Within this episode today, we will explore the important work that Hitachi Zero Carbon is doing to decarbonize transport in today's society. We will look to explore Hitachi Vantara's digital technology and how this is a key enabler to help Hitachi look at optimization across its business. We will discuss the challenges faced and explore the question, is it possible for us to reach net zero? So hi both, it's really exciting to have you both on the podcast with us today. Could you please introduce yourself, Ram? My name is Ram Ramachanda, uh, I'm uh, CEO of Hitachi Zero Carbon. Zero Carbon is essentially a new venture that we've launched uh, that combines uh, this GX and DX strategy and vision that we have, i.e. we're a digitally enabled company, but really focused very much around providing services enabled by digital to help customers decarbonize or transition to EV in major commercial fleets, starting with EV buses. I've been in Hitachi for nearly 10 years now, started as the chief commercial officer for Hitachi social innovation business. Uh, That's where we kind of incubated Hitachi Zero Carbon, starting with a big program that we ran, uh, connecting 8,500 EVs to the grid, working very closely with Frank and his team in digital. Thanks, Sean. Wonderful to be here. Frank, Anthony, Sami. I'm the chief growth officer within Hitachi Digital. And my job is uh, to bring together all of the capabilities that exist within Hitachi uh, in digital and also in a lot of OT capabilities. Because as we all know, the real world of OT and the world of digital is coming together like never before. The opportunities that it unlocks, the capabilities that Hitachi brings in in the world of OT, from transportation, from energy, from manufacturing. Combine that with the deep expertise that we have built in digital gives us an opportunity to deliver multiple things for our own businesses, but also for our customers and for societies at large. Like Ram was saying, uh, we've been working very closely on some very strategic initiatives that Ram has been running, and I'm super excited to be here with Ram on this podcast. Wonderful. Thank you both. And it's it's very exciting to have you on the podcast with us today. So I'd really like to begin the podcast on a question. And this question is, why is digitalization so important to achieve decarbonization? Personally, I look at this as uh, four different levels for companies and for societies for us to build. If you look at companies, the foundational level is just understanding what happens in our operations today. Right. Um, for large companies, uh, for global companies, just the sheer task of understanding the emissions, understanding uh, material suicide, the multiple characteristics that drive um, that are important for 
going into a more uh, sustainable environment is is just a complex task. It's just so, and it's it's going to be extremely difficult for companies to be able to do this without a framework of digital that is collecting, analyzing, and reporting data. It's just a foundational level. Understanding is critical. The second level is regulatory compliance. When you operate in different states, different provinces, different countries, and with the complexity of the regulatory requirements in each of these regions, it it is complying with these statutes, complying with these regulatory requirements, requires companies to have framework that would collect their data, understand these changing requirements and regulatory uh, needs, and be able to take the action that is required for us just to be just to be compliant with the regulatory requirements. That's the second level. But if you go beyond these two defensive postures of just understanding operations and being compliant, there's also the opportunity to leverage this as a competitive advantage. What I mean by that is different governments and agencies today provide incentives for companies to do the right thing and to make the transition. In the US, the IRA and IIJ are huge incentives for companies and for industries at large. But if you look at the complexities of understanding what lies within these regulations, what are the uh, what are the details of the incentive programs? That becomes very complex, and for companies to understand and take advantage of these uh, of these incentives requires a regulatory framework, requires a digital framework to understand and analyze data. Finally. I think this also gives an opportunity for uh, for companies to provide the stewardship and leadership that is needed in driving towards uh, zero carbon. Uh, we we all need uh, we all need heroes to look up to in terms of companies that are doing the right thing, providing the stewardship and providing the leadership. Right? So to summarize, I look at this as four levels in which uh, companies and industries need to adopt it, and for each of these four levels, it is extremely important for us to have a a framework where it is data-driven, where we are driving the right analytics, and we can have the digital frameworks that are needed to understand and report, to be compliant with regulatory compliance, to leverage this as a competitive advantage, and finally, the much-needed stewardship and leadership that is needed for companies to lead the way in this space. So, I, so that's why digital is important uh, to to provide all of this. Exactly as Frank said, one of the things that I uh, often talk about is, and, and by the way, Hitati's had a vision on this for a long time, that, you know, uh, as how we get this OTIT together. So that's fascinating from a vision point of view that we've thought about this for a very long time in terms of how we see the world evolving. But what, what what's happening in the world is as we transition from an industrial revolution based infrastructure, which is the OT that Frank's talking about, to the future green revolution, infrastructure. We move to a really highly complex interconnected ecosystem from where we were before. Before we had this very linear value chain based approach to how we kind of drive um, our, our, our services, our products, etc. into the market. Now we have a really complex interconnected system, whether it's distributed energy, i.e. you're generating energy in a depot and selling it back to the grid as opposed to just one-way flow of energy. You're getting these complex systems trying to work together. The only way you can get these systems to work in an optimal, controlled manner is through data, which is 
exactly as Frank said, underlying everything that we're doing is data and then the optimization that we're able to deliver based on really quite a lot of industrial knowledge that we have on how transportation works, et cetera. We may be using AI to optimize, but that AI is kind of really taught by the amount of industrial knowledge that we have in our BUs. So it's great, you know, when we have the kind of capability that's Frank's bringing to the table with digital, you know, zero carbon is now a subsidiary of the mobility or the green and energy mobility business. So under that, we have this access to this huge amount of knowledge around energy, around uh, uh, mobility as well, that can feed into the business that we're doing. When we move to uh, zero carbon, a huge part of it is obviously power consumption, right? the electricity generation distribution. And if you look at the fundamental difference between renewable energy and traditional conventional sources of energy, it's just a sheer amount of data that, that we have to deal with. Now, I'll give you an example. If, if, you are, if a utility is uh, generating power from traditional sources of coal-based or other, other uh, sources, you literally have complete control of the output of uh, electricity by dialing down or dialing up and up, right? So it is, you have certainty of output and it is controlled. You have control of it. However, when you're dealing with renewable power, you're dealing with a higher order of magnitude of the amount of data that you'll have to deal with. Every single solar cell is transmitting data. Every single wind turbine is transmitting data. And the industry uses a term called intermittency, which is the variance of power that is being produced during throughout the day. Right? And for companies to be able to maximize this, you are having to deal with an order of magnitude of change in data, and that requires you to have a digital infrastructure that can handle this, that can optimize this, and can, that can manage this. Right? So inherently, the shift into renewable power needs us to be able to handle a lot, much larger amount of data and be able to do that almost in real time. And that is why a digital foundation is critical. Thank you, Frank. I think it would be great if we could look at the collaboration between Zero Carbon and Hitachi Digital. Do you have any specific examples of projects you have both worked on together and any challenges you have faced? With everything that we're doing on Zero Carbon, we do very closely align to digital, uh, both Global Logic and, and Vantara. So we utilize the, um, the the coding capability, the infrastructure capability, and the products within the digital business to be able to build um, zero carbon's IP around the applications that we take to the market. So that that relationship really for me has always been both with purely with Bantara, and then at that point when we did the 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 kind of the the, the large optimized prime program, that was a really a joint initiative between digital and. Hitachi Europe, essentially, or social innovation business, where we connected uh, eight and a half thousand vehicles to the grid uh, to be able to understand what are the challenges in transitioning commercial fleets from a customer point of view and then from a utility point of view as well. Challenges around doing something like this. I think there's a, there's a, there's a few things that's worth highlighting, and and as we work together, we learn new things and we we evolve and 
we fix. And Frank and I have been very conscious of making sure as we evolve the relationship, we kind of deal with some of the challenges that we face as we go along. Mixing the domain, not what we're trying to do in the environment area with the IT expertise that, that, we're, uh, that, that digital brings to the fore. So it's really important that when we build these multidisciplinary teams, that we work very closely together in terms of how the subject matter experts from Zero Carbon work hand in hand with the programming teams or the data scientists or the infrastructure guys in defining the requirements. And as Frank quite clearly explained, the amount of data the future energy infrastructure is creating is, you know, huge volumes of it in itself causes a challenge. But in order to be able to do something with that data, to be able to get value from that data, you need the subject matter expertise to work very closely with the data science guys and the programmers. What we tend to do is to kind of lock them in so that they're not interchangeable <laughs> over time. They slowly become kind of uh, a, a virtual team understanding some of the deep uh, SME expertise that we're pushing through to those guys. Thanks, Ron. Uh, and I'm going to make a Spider-Man reference to this. My son is a big Spider-Man fan, and uh, uh, there is this character symbiote, right? Which is uh, which is essentially symbiotic uh, between an alien and a human being. Um, but while while uh, it wasn't uh, as drastic as a symbiote in Spider-Man, the relationship that Hitachi Digital and Zero Carbon under Ron's leadership was absolutely symbiotic. We did not have the luxury of saying. There is a separate domain expertise team, and then there's a separate set of data scientists and digital architects who are trying to understand it. Right? So we truly had to come together as a single team to be able to solve a problem as complex as this. Now, what was exciting about this program was this was not a POC. There are so many digital programs that, that are in digital purgatory of POCs. This was a scaled program, which is you know uh, the largest. Uh, electrification uh, program for EV vehicles in the world. The complexity also faces when you add other partners in an ecosystem. As is typical of any large IT OT program, this is successful because of the partnership and the ecosystem. And in this program, we had Uber, we had Centrico, we had uh, UK Power Networks, we had Royal Mail. When you look at all of these entities, where their usage is very different, you bring them on board and you analyze the data coming from all of these and you provide the analytics for this. That was very exciting. It also had challenges. In fact, we had a great problem. When we designed the system, we designed the system for data from 3,000 vehicles. The success of this program was that as we started getting vehicles on board, we passed 3,000, which is what the system is designed for, 4,000, 5,000, 6,000, 8,500 vehicles, right? Now, obviously, when you start with a system that is a, a specification and a cost structure for 3,000 vehicles, and then when you're having to deal with um, data from 8,500 vehicles, then the change, uh, it, it, the magnitude of how you're trying to solve this is, but we also saw that as an opportunity because the more data you have, the better your models become, right? So, so we were able to, Leverage that, take advantage of this unexpected problem that we had uh, to refine our data models. Uh, so, uh, so the fidelity of these models are now much better than what we would have had with 3,000 vehicles. 
uh, strategically, one of the things, and I've spoken to Frank about this often, we need to start to see, because what we're doing with Zero Carbon is relatively new to the business. We've not really, we're organically growing a potential unicorn inside of Hitachi. We're not acquiring it, we're growing it from scratch, from incubation through to commercial. But what Zero Carbon represents is this true collaboration, symbiotic collaboration. By the way, Frank, I'm not sure who the alien is, but I'll, I'll take the role. <laughs> so, <laughs> the symbiotic collaboration between digital, the idea of kind of decarbonization. In order to do that, I think it requires multiple organizational involvement. So if you think about what Zero Carbon does, we're in the mobility sector, which is in the heart of the rail business and, 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 and their core customer base. We're dealing with the future energy transition system, which is at the heart of Hitachi Energy's core business. So it's great we're inside of GEM. Our DNA, so what, what I'd like to see as we go forward for a, a, a kind of a more strategic alignment or a partnership or even a joint venture kind of approach for businesses like this, where digital is not just providing the services and the capabilities, the tools, et cetera, but is also a strategic partner in the business, uh, in almost like an equity investor. So I think that, you know, whether that's feasible or not, I think that provides a very strong vested interest from the big U and from the digital business to be able to take these businesses into the market. I think I, I see that as being fundamental and foundational for uh, for our joint success, right? Because with each of the BUs, there is there is capability and also access to market. And as we start leveraging this, um, again, uh, it's it's not just uh, important, but it's also necessary for us to be able to take advantage of that. Wonderful. Thank you both. Do you think it's possible for us to reach net zero? I would say it is not just possible, but it is also absolutely necessary. We, uh, it, it's great that companies and societies and countries are putting a stake in the ground in terms of the zero carbon ambitions 2050, uh, there are some companies that are doing uh, 2040. Um, so I would argue that it is not just possible, it is necessary. We don't have a choice. Uh, and this is, uh, this is ingrained in how Hitachi looks at every business. Right? When we, uh, obviously, we, we live in a world where consumption is growing every day. We, we make more things, we build more things, we, we buy, buy more things, we travel more. The responsibility for all of us as companies and for societies is to find a way that we continue to do that without depleting the resources of the planet. Uh, that's where the collective capabilities of Hitachi, but also the will of the company to absolutely get it done is, is, is uh, very clear for all of us at Hitachi to see. Um, and yes, so to your question, MJ, a resounding Yes, it's possible. And yes, we have, we have the capabilities and the responsibility to do it too. MJ, I've been in the decarbonization world for 20 years now. And um, when we started the journey, I was going into CC years with a chart that showed man-made climate change uh, was real. Uh, I promise you, over 50% didn't want to talk about it. <laughs> it wasn't that important to them 20 years ago. Now it is the number one thing, right? It is, there, there's a couple of things we need to do to get to net zero. So I think we, we bandy the term around quite easily. 
it requires very strong collaboration between companies or corporations with the power like Hitachi, government policy, and the finance world, i.e. The, the sheer amount of capital infrastructure that needs to change. We need to collaborate together. There needs to be a, a transformation in companies and governments working very... And Hitachi is good at this, by the way. We work very closely with governments. We're very good at that uh, in what we do. But there's this is very strong collaboration to transition to net zero. The second thing we need is we need a master plan. I often talk to government leaders about to turn, for instance, to turn to EV, it can't be done just by market dynamics. It requires a master plan on how the future mobility system is going to look like as a zero carbon system. We need to understand how much energy do we need accurately. How do we change our road infrastructure capability to deal with electrification as well as autonomous? How do we change other elements of our ecosystem that's going to be more and more dependent on electricity to be in the right core capabilities? How much renewable energy do we need to do? And how much do we need to kind of offset in how we come up with the equation just on transportation alone? The governments need to have very strong policy. Corporations are very closely linked to. And by the way, there's just lots and lots of money that banks want to invest in because they see the third key element coming out of this is zero carbon now or net zero is good business. So when I was starting the journey all that time ago, it was just a compliance issue. It was a good marketing thing. We didn't want to be seen as the company that or people didn't want to have their companies look like they were polluting the planet. But it really didn't matter at that point. Now, it's really, really good business. And your entire business future relies on you being able to either address how you're going to manage your business with renewable assets or the future energy transition, or you're going to optimize the future opportunity in order to get to net zero. We need to go five times as fast as we're doing now. So there's also this imperative to accelerate everything that we're doing. So without sounding like an alarmist, I'm absolutely with Frank on it's an imperative, we must do it, et cetera. But we need to get serious about it, right? With governments, businesses, financiers, and we need to move five times faster than we're doing right now to be able to get to the point when we don't get to catastrophic climate change. Thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today, Ram and Frank. It's been great to hear from you both and discuss our capabilities at Tatachi to reach net zero. And thank you for listening to the People of Tatachi podcast. Please subscribe and leave us a five-star review. It really helps people to find us. And we'll be back soon with another exciting episode. See you then.